0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Sham Sharani of The Athletic about 20 minutes ago, the Milwaukee Bucks are interviewing former head coach Mark Jackson for their open head coaching job. Jackson was the Warriors coach for three years and had a 526 winning percentage. Jackson's tenure as Golden State's head coach is, I would say, nearly identical to what Tom Thibodeau has done with the Knicks. Uh, he took over a franchise that was in bad shape. You didn't know what Stephen Curry had. You know. You didn't know what you had in Stephen Curry. When you drafted him in 2009. Uh, the first year they got better. The next two years they went to the playoffs. They won a playoff round. It's almost identical uh, to Tom Thibodeau. Now the concern for Tibbs. And this is a concern. And I'm not saying that it's time to move on from Tibbs. In fact I don't think it is. Even though others seem to think it's time to move on from Tom Thibodeau. He is not the number one. 2-3 problem right now for the Knicks. But the concern is, could Tom Thibodeau be you know, one of these guys that could take you only so far? And I've always thought that Mark Jackson was an example of one of those guys in Golden State. He reset the culture of that franchise. He made them competitive again. He got them back to the playoffs. He won a playoff round. But after his third year, they felt that there was a higher ceiling for that team. They hired Steve Kerr. And it's very tough to argue that they. In fact, it's impossible to argue that they didn't make the right choice because they went on to win four NBA championships and go to the finals two other times. Um, is Tom Thibodeau that he might be? I'm not. He, I'm not confident enough to say that Tom Thibodeau is is more than that. I think this next year will tell that. You know, if the Knicks make improvements and are still kind of finding their expiration at the second round of the playoffs, like they did next year, but with better personnel around Jalen Brunson and better personnel on this roster, then I think that conversation could be apt a year from now, and that'll be fair, But the nat- and that's the nature of sports. But right now, I don't think that's fair to Tom Thibodeau. I think Tibbs's first three years warrant him a fourth year as the head coach of this team. You know, They've won one playoff round, or now two. They've won two playoff rounds in 23 years. He won one of them this year. All right, let's go back to your calls. Jerome in East Orange leads us off this hour. Jerome, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jerome. Good,
2: good, good, good. Listen, you know what? I've listened to a
0: lot of radio, a lot of social media over the past couple of days. Um, I'm comfortable with what the Knicks did in the offseason. I, I was not expecting them to make it to the second round in the first place. Um, and I'll say this, and I feel the same way about the Jets. This is the first time in a long time that I feel comfortable just sitting back and waiting to see what the front office is going to do. I'm I'm more confident now in the front office than I've been in a very, very, very long time. You know, we got some good pieces. You know, some of the starters can become, you know, role players, you know, if we, um, you know, pick up some free agents. Um, I like the way, you know, the front office drafts. You know, I'm I'm not going to complain. One thing I will say is I love the way Mitchell Robinson stepped up and hit those foul shots. Yes. You know, they were – they were. you know, I, you can't – I love that, man. He was complaining about his role, you know, midseason. And, you know, the guy stepped up, man. I, you know, everybody could be better. You know what I mean? Everybody could be better. But I'm happy in the direction that we're going, and I'm going to trust the process.
1: Jerome, good call. And here's a couple reasons why you should trust the process. First of all, no front office. No team executive, no GM is perfect. But the last two significant decisions or moves that Leon Rose had to make, he hit on both of them. The first one was the Donovan Mitchell trade, and that was very controversial. And I have to admit, in the first two months of the season, when Mitchell was leading the NBA in scoring and torching the Knicks in Cleveland in a late October game, And the Cavs had a top three record in the Eastern Conference. This is why you have to let these things play out. But in those first two months, I 100% felt that the Knicks had missed the mark and missed their opportunity to bring him in. I thought he was the missing piece. And then you let the season play out, and the Knicks end up beating Mitchell and the Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. So the Cavs trade all of those assets for Mitchell, and the Knicks end up being the better team Still with R.J. Barrett, and still with all of their assets they they can use elsewhere, that was the first decision. And then the second decision was the Josh Hart trade. And the Josh Hart trade brought this team to another level. When they acquired Hart, the Knicks were three games above five hundred, So they were in the 8-9 range in the standings in the Eastern Conference, probably headed towards the play-in tournament. Hart got here. He was the perfect fit toughness, energy, really a little bit of everything. Off the bench, strengthened their bench, helped Emmanuel quickly become a candidate for the sixth man of the year because quickly could really just concentrate on scoring off the bench from that point on. And they immediately won nine straight games and they went from a team in the midst of the play-in tournament battle to a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. And a team that won a first-round series thanks largely to the efforts of Josh Hart. Now, Leon Rose hasn't hit on everything. No... Team executive does, you know, the Cam Reddish trade wasn't good. They gave up a first-round pick for Cam Reddish, and he ended up not being the right fit. Leon Rose's first full off-season after the Knicks went to the playoffs wasn't good. You know, they recognized they needed more shooting around Julius Randle after they lost to the Hawks, and he went after Evan Fournier and paid him eighteen million dollars. Now he has to unload Fournier. You know, Fournier, not surprisingly. Uh, spoke to the New York Post yesterday and said that his time in New York not only is over now, but it essentially ended months ago. He's right. He's frustrated. He's allowed to be, but he wasn't the right fit this year. You know, the Knicks season kind of turned around when Tom Thibodeau took him out of the rotation and Derek Rose. Derek Rose, they'll move on from him. They'll move on from Evan Fournier. But my point is the 2021 offseason was not a good one for Leon Rose, and that's why the Knicks took a step back last year. That and Julius Randle's production dipped, but I also think Julius Randle's production dipping was a result of the moves that were made around him. They did not make the team better as it turned out. This year they bring in Jalen Brunson. Things go up again, and then you clearly see that there are areas that need to take you to the next level. They're on another level right now than they were last offseason, but there's another couple of rungs to climb on that ladder before you get to where you ultimately want to get but you're a lot closer to the top and this is why I laugh when people call that just want to fight with me about I'm just po- if you don't think that the Knicks are closer to contending for a championship than they were a year ago two years ago then what what are you watching you know 3 years ago Mike Miller and Mike Miller by the way did a good job does any Knicks fan remember who Mike Miller is by the way he was the interim head coach who took over after David Fisdale was fired with a 4 and 18 record Miller actually did a decent job, but he was a guy that nobody even knew. I mean, his name was Mike Miller. You still don't know him. If you walk down the street and you passed him right now, you probably wouldn't know him. Three years ago, Mike Miller was your head coach, and you were 21 and 45. And then the pandemic hit, and you weren't even invited to play in the bubble in Orlando. You were one of seven teams that was left out in the cold. And to go from there to now, the three years since you've gone to the playoffs twice, and now you're a second-round playoff team, you're one of the last eight teams standing, and you have a bonafide star who still has room to grow and might become a superstar by next year. That's a pretty good place to be. So, by and large, the front office has done a good job making that happen, and they also hit on the head coaching hire in Tom Thibodeau. How about Mike in Brooklyn? A lot of Mikes today. Another one here. Mike, how you doing?
3: yeah good afternoon, Pat. how you doing today?
1: Good Mike how are you
3: Good good, good. thanks for taking the call so this is this is my uh issue i'm I'm for running back the team as it is um maybe we probably obviously need to get some more shooters. but my question to you if you have any idea or anyone out there that might have do they tell these players during the off season, uh, that listen, you need to work on your game. Uh, or is it a situation where you just show up in uh camp and we'll take it from there. And the reason why I'm saying that I noticed this with all these superstars, Randall, uh, even Robinson, if you know, you can't make, you know, your shots or whatever, foul shots and so forth. Uh, I would think the incentives in the offseason would be, let's work on this. And also, in the last point, do they bring in a psychologist like to help guys like Randall and say, listen, stop taking it personal? Barrett, stop taking it personal. That's Stephen A. job to criticize the game. Why are you taking this personal? So you know, if you could just uh, give me some insight into any of those things. Well, me- to
1: answer your first question, Mike, and thanks for the call. Yeah, they absolutely do. Look, at the end of every year, you have exit interviews, and it's basically a debrief of what went well and what didn't went well, what didn't go well. It's kind of like any other business, really. And, and I'm I'm always loath to compare professional sports to regular businesses, but I think this is actually one of the areas where there are some comparisons, and what can you work on to get better. So yeah, that absolutely does happen. And I think an example of that is R.J. Barrett. You know, Knicks fans might not want to admit it, but R.J. Barrett is a guy who has improved his game each and every year. And the reason why I do think that there is still another level or two for R.J. Barrett to get to is because he already carries himself like a star. And sometimes that's to his detriment, but more often than not, I think that's a strength of his. He's been a star his whole life. He was the number one recruit coming out of high school. He went to Duke. He was the number one guy in that class before everybody realized how good Zion Williamson was. And then he kind of played second fiddle to Zion. But he's always carried himself like a star. He was the third overall pick in the draft. He's been a starter since his first day in the NBA. So he has that mentality, and he also has a terrific work ethic. But the Mitchell Robinson thing, and I think that's what the caller was alluding to, I got you know, if, if you're there, and I am, Before games, two, two and a half hours before a game, when the players are out on the court doing their individual workouts, Mitchell Robinson is always out there. He's working on post moves. Occasionally, he's shooting three-pointers. He's working on all of those things that you would like to see him make part of his game. It's a confidence thing. It's one thing to do it in a workout with your own private assistant coach, and you run through drills, but... It's another thing to be in the middle of a game, you know, going up against Bam Adebayo, and showing off your post moves when you haven't done that your entire life. It's I know these guys are professional athletes, and we put them on a pedestal, but when you're asked to do something so far out of your comfort zone that you've never done before, and do it in that setting, it's a lot easier said than done. But these guys do work on it, but it doesn't. Oh, that's why there's great players. There's good players, there's average players, and there's guys who have flaws. And everybody has flaws, but it's just a different degree of how many flaws you have. We'll take another break and get back to more of your calls. Yankees are in a little bit of trouble in the Bronx, trailing Tampa Bay 2-0 in the top of the third inning with Tampa still batting and a runner on third here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You are listening to Pat O'Keefe, on 98.7 ESPN.
1: But this is where it gets real hard. Although I think Knicks fans would admit it was also hard just getting to this point because they missed the playoffs in eight out of nine years before this point. Um, You're a second-round team now. There's not a lot of room for you to climb to be at the top of the sport. And Knicks fans that are my age, 43 years old, who followed this team in the 90s, can certainly attest to that. That team, by the way, was closer to the top of the NBA than this one is. But this one is closer than it has been, I would say, since... The start of this century, and I'm including obviously the 2013 team that won 54 games um, in that. I think this team is closer to uh, sustainability than any team since the Patrick Ewing team broke up after the 2000 loss, uh, 2001 loss in the West in the first round to the Toronto Raptors. Um, now, the game seven that we have coming up after us, Celtics and 76ers from Boston the loser of that game is going to have a lot of soul-searching to do also. Because if it's the Celtics, this will be a colossal letdown. An NBA Finals team last year, and this year it seems like the path to winning a championship is easier than it was last year. Now, the Denver Nuggets or the Lakers might still have something to say about that. But if you're Boston and you see Milwaukee get knocked out by the eighth seed in the first round... And you make it past the first round. You run up against the 76ers team that historically you have owned in this iteration of the two teams. And then if you get past that, you need to beat the 8-seeded Miami Heat to get to the finals, where you would probably be favored. And you can't even get to the conference finals. That would be a huge, huge disappointment for that franchise. And then on the other side, if the 76ers lose this game today, which is the expected result, They're on the road. Boston has home court advantage. Boston's the better team. I think it's going to be a very close game, by the way, but that's the expected result. Then it's just more questions about the 76ers. It's more questions about Doc Rivers. Another series lead would have been blown. It's more questions about Joel Embiid. Why is this guy an MVP and in the MVP running every single year and can't even get to the conference finals? And it's going to be more questions about James Harden and in a career full of questions about Harden. For all of his brilliance in the regular season, he has had letdown after letdown in the postseason, and this would be another. So I think there's going to be major changes for whichever franchise loses that game coming up today. And the point I made earlier about the head coaching vacancies, and it was interesting, the Shams Sharania report half hour ago that the Bucs are going to interview Mark Jackson for their vacant head coaching job. But you got Milwaukee, and Monty Williams was fired last night from Phoenix. You got Milwaukee and Phoenix. Two head coaching jobs. Usually the head coaching jobs that are open are You know, Orlando, Detroit, Houston, you know, Houston, by the way, was open. They hired Ime Yudoka. You think he wanted to wait maybe and have the opportunity to take over Phoenix or Milwaukee? But, you know, even if you are the Knicks and you do decide to move on from Tibbs, which I don't think you should, the Knicks aren't the apple of the eye of the top coaching candidates. That would be Milwaukee. You know, who wouldn't rather coach Giannis than come to New York? Who wouldn't rather coach Durant and Booker than come to New York? Those teams give you a better chance at winning an NBA championship. And if you're a coach of that caliber, that's the position you want to put yourself in because it's all about winning championships. Back to the phones in a sec. Uh, quick score update. Yankees are down 3 nothing. They got out of the top of the third inning. Uh, Clark Schmidt has had a little bit of trouble against Tampa Bay so far, but the Yankees still within striking distance with a runner on first base and... Nobody out in the uh, bottom of the third. The Mets are in the top of the ninth inning and trailing the Nationals 3-2. to two. So last licks for the Mets on the road, the first of two on this Mother's Day. Let's go to Brian in Bayshore, who's been waiting patiently. Brian, how are you?
4: Hello. Hello.
1: Hi, Brian. How you doing? Hello.
4: Great. Great. Thanks for a lot of really interesting uh Analysis. A lot of the calls, uh, also. I re- really, I, I feel like uh, you know. Friday night, we were within a few points of sending it back to New York for a game seven. And if you would have said that at the beginning of the year that this is where we would be, it would have been like, yeah, that's a successful season. So I consider the season a success. Uh, you know, would have liked to have seen things go further. Would like to have seen us win the uh, Miami series, um, but I feel like. There's a few things I want to say. Uh, Thibodeau, keep him. I got no problem. He, he, I disagree with some of his moves, but he has really helped to make this, uh, you know, a good basketball team. Randall, nothing but respect for him. You know, uh, I really feel like they should have played Obi Toppin more in the series with Miami. Uh, Randall was beat up. He got his eye was puffed out, his legs. He's, he's lumbering around the court. Obi comes in. He's turning things. He's turning on the speed energy, that was, I think, very important. He could have got more time. I think that would have been a good move. Uh give credit to Mitchell Robinson. Isaiah Hartenstein, I think, deserves a lot of credit. He added a stability. Brunson, you can't praise him enough, of course, because he really carried them, you know, to a large extent. But the team, you know, the team, we're talking about adding, subtracting, moving, puzzle pieces. But the team, the chemistry, uh, if you want to call it the culture, people refer to it a lot has changed so dramatically in the last couple of years that this is a solid core. Uh, I mean, whatever they're going to do, say, Ockham or whatever his name, I say that guy is great. Yes, you got it. You'd love to get people, you know, oh, we want them, we want them. And trading is not where I'm focusing. I'm focusing my feeling on the strategy because the great success with Cleveland, great, and getting hard, of course, you know, was key. They would not have gotten there without him. But uh, I think that, you know, like limiting the bench, not playing Fournier at all, maybe he could have thrown Derek Rosen. He could have given Brunson a little break. His times, he was, you know, he was limping around, got his ankle crushed. and you know, so you got to, you know, like, and Randall, I think they really, if they used Toppin more, they could have given Julius a little spell, you know, and then it would have helped, you know. But I know, you know, you, it's the heat of the moment. Maybe, you know, the, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling like, let's stick with what we got. We gr- grid it out. They played tough. <clears throat> You know, it's an exciting time to be a Knicks fan. Who could have thought of this, you know, a few years back in the doldrums and and everything? Uh but it's it's a I think really to feel happy is is justified. Okay. Not to be like, Hey, Miami's a good team, you know, these guys, you know, they they're I I Wish them luck in the in the future. I think the real series is gonna be the Lakers and the, and Denver. I think that is really interesting tonight. That's gonna to be a great um, series. That's gonna be yeah, so, that, that uh, will be.
1: Brian, thank you for everything. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you. Um, yeah, look, the the Knicks are not in the position where you know, stand pat, hope for development, and maybe you can get to the next level. They're not quite there. You know, even the Celtics. Last year the Celtics made it to the NBA Finals. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon this year, the sixth man of the year. Unless you're the champion you always have to be tinkering or improving. The Knicks don't have as many holes to fill, but there are still holes to fill if they want to be a conference finalist team, dare I say an NBA finals team. You know, this is a different outlook for the Knicks. It's a different offseason for the Knicks and the fans have to get used to that. You know, this isn't looking to be a respectable franchise anymore. They are that. And then some. They're more than a respectable franchise now. They've got a good coach, They've got a star player. They have another All-NBA player in addition to him. They have young talent that they drafted and have developed. They have all the they have a treasure trove of future draft picks in the first and the second rounds. They have all the things that good, solid franchises have. But they need to keep moving this forward. They need to use those assets and what they already have wisely. Let's go to Spike in St. Pete. Hey, Spike
5: hey happy mother's day to everybody and their mothers and grandmothers uh uh, my friend jose uh called before and uh he's very eloquently he speaks very well and he's got an rj barrett opinion which uh, i almost share with him to a point uh by the way on the mark jackson thing just want to jump over there my brief amount of time uh it's an ideology. Mark Jackson has outside of basketball that's probably kept him in what I would think is a very cushy, well-paid job. But uh, uh, you know, I watched him play in high school and everything, so I hope he gets what he wants. Hopefully,
1: he so as, far the shot as for sure.
5: Yeah, uh, uh, look, RJ Barrett has the stigma of being a three pick. You perfectly put it with the other two. I, John Morant, it, it just it hurts you to the core how he's falling into a. A rabbit hole he may not get out of. I just wish him godspeed on this. But, and Zion is Zion. But the thing with R.J. Barrett is, you know, everything you said was proper. He's a scorer, not a shooter. His, his big deficiency, which I, for some reason I've watched, you know, I watch like you do every dribble, every game, and I don't know why his defense has fallen off so much. My theory is pretty simple. He's a small three. And a big two. So they're playing. League is going smaller. Backcourt menu, most of the real good ones are small. And uh, he has trouble. Like he, he guarded Kevin Love quite well when he had a guard but in both series, uh, Garland or, or, or Mitchell. When he had a put in that precarious situation, they're too quick for him. Uh, but he has the strength, and he's a scorer. I like that he made all those free throws. I love his work ethic. I know his background. I watched his dad play at St. John's. He will be fine. Will he ever be an all-star? I don't know. That doesn't matter to me. Because you see how messed up the the all-star voting is that that Brunson didn't get on. And I think he's a great addition because he's got the work ethic of anyone we've ever seen. So more power to him. Get the three-point shot up a little better. If you look at it carefully, his corner threes are a lot better, like most. And the last thing. Uh, you know, I said to someone the other day that uh, Jalen Brunson is a superstar now. Now you could say he's on the outside of it or inside of it, but watching every Nick playoff game, pretty much, because I'm the same age as the league. The <laughs> game, the last two games he played were the second, the third and fourth Ewings game in Indiana and obviously Clyde's game stands alone, uh, playoff games or championship games any Nick ever had. But I said to Ty yesterday, he was like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I mean, nobody helped him. Nobody. And and I don't know if he had the sight line to pass the ball off to Josh Hart. Who again? If you put Hart and Brunson in, it's not quite the DeBuscher trade, but it could wind up being that. We need a, like an Ananobi. You're not going to get Siakam. Toronto's going through a metamorphosis there. Nick Nurse at Kawhi, uh, Masai Jerry, you know, it was time to make a change there. Ananobi may be the right guy. They need a six six, a six eight guy, top twenty defender. Which Ananobi, I think he's third team all defense. He shoots the three, I'm guessing 36 37%. You need a wing shooter that you can get rid of the ball. The precipitous drop in Julius Randle, who's really what they did yesterday or the day before those fans. It's unacceptable behavior in humanity, but probably enhanced by alcohol or something else. Julius Randle has a big drop, and if you have a big drop offensively, you can live with it, but his defense follows suit. You know what I'm saying? And and that's why R.J. Barrett probably has a much better future than Julius Randle because all he has to do is be put in the right spot. You're not getting any run, Patty, if, if, if you don't play defense with Tibbs. You know that. So, again, I wish you a happy Mother's Day for your families, and I think it was a tremendous season. It still hurts because we could have had a game tomorrow night that would have been just like I saw 60 years ago. I'm telling you, we were going to the finals.
1: Mike, thanks a lot. Thanks for the call as always. And that's a good way to to leave it right there, right? Um, It was a tremendous season, and it still hurts. And I think both of those things can be true. And I think both of those things are true. The Knicks could have won that. Look, the Knicks were up by 14 points on Friday night. They could have won that game. They could have won that series. We could be getting ready for a Game 7 tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. We'll have one again. When I looked up before Game 6, because obviously if they won Game 6, it would have set up Game 7 on Monday night. I hadn't looked this up until then. You know, I I could recite pretty much what happened in the 90s off the top of my head. You know, that's when I came into my own as a sports fan and a basketball fan. And the Knicks, for me, growing up, were always the number one team ahead of any other team in any other sport. And if you grew up in the 90s, that's just kind of how it was around here. Um, I did not, it didn't dawn on me until I actually did. Actually, I shouldn't get credit myself for doing the research. I asked Ray Santiago, uh, our executive producer, um, to look it up. And, when he told me that the last game seven at Madison Square Garden was 1995 second round against Indiana, the Patrick Ewing finger roll game, also Pat Riley's final game as head coach. That is, that just blew me away. 28 years since we've had a game seven at Madison Square Garden. That shows you how how special those things are and how rare those things are, which is why I'm really looking forward to what's coming on after me. I'm looking forward to the final half hour of our show even more. But at 3 o'clock, we've got coverage of Game 7 between the Celtics and the 76ers from Boston. Two teams that – think about that. one of The winner of that game will probably become the betting favorite to win the NBA championship because they'll be down to four teams, and whoever wins will be facing a number 8 seed in the next round in Miami. Whereas – the Lakers and the Nuggets series is more of a toss-up. So the winner becomes the favorite to win the NBA title, and the loser is done. This is going to be a huge game. Game sevens are rare. Game sevens are special. We'll get another one at the Garden. We almost had one tomorrow night, but you can start to dream different dreams if you're a Knicks fan based on what just happened this season. Baseball update. Mets have lost to the Nationals 3-2. to Mets fall two games below five hundred. Nats are now 17-22. and 22. Gosh, the Nats are almost... The Nats are tanking. And they're a game behind the Mets in the loss column? That's... It's not good. Not good, Bob. And then the um, game two of that, 4:30 this afternoon. Yankees got a two-run home run from Oswaldo Cabrera and then a two-run home run from the red-hot Anthony Rizzo. They score four in the bottom of the third inning and they lead the Tampa Bay Rays 4-3. to Yankees continue to play the Rays tough. Now we'll see if Clark Schmidt can hold them more of your calls here on 98.7 ESPN New York
0: you're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN
1: and we're trying to get all your calls in so we'll try and rip through those in a second but the other piece of this as you try to you know reconstruct your team or improve your team in the offseason if you're the Knicks outside of Brunson everything is on the table RJ is a guy who I think has a lot of trade value and for the right Uh, for the right transaction, I could see a scenario where the Knicks move on from him. I think Julius Randle, in the immediate aftermath of the playoffs and going 3-for-14 and some frustrating defense, I think uh, there's a lot of frustration from the Knicks fans towards Randle, but that's not how NBA executives are looking at this, right? They're not looking at this emotionally. They're looking at a guy who makes in the low 20s, well, next year, I think $25 million a year, will be his contract. That's not a bad price tag for a guy who plays every single game and gives you 25 and 10 and is a third team all NBA player. So I think there's gonna be a market for him as well. And then the other thing, you know, just remember last year with the Donovan Mitchell potential trade with Utah, you know, the Knicks were okay trading whatever draft picks ended up being agreed upon. Obviously RJ Barrett was the centerpiece that Utah wanted in the trade that the Knicks weren't ready to part with. But then the Knicks were hoping to sweeten the deal with some of their young, talented players who they have drafted and developed, like Emmanuel Quickly or Quentin Grimes or Mitchell Robinson or guys like that. All of those guys have increased their value this year. All of them. Quickly was almost the sixth man of the year this year. He was the runner-up for that. Quentin Grimes is a starter for a team that went to the second round of the playoffs. Mitchell Robinson is a force at center for a team that went to the second round of the playoffs. You know, Obi Toppin, I don't think he increased his value a lot, but that's more because there just wasn't as much opportunity for him because Julius Randle plays so many minutes and Toppin only plays when Julius doesn't play. But the Knicks are in better shape from that regard as well. The quote-unquote assets they have that are their young, talented players that are actually on their roster are now more appealing than they were last year. Let's go to Mike in Westchester. Mike, what's up?
6: Hey, Pat, thanks for taking my call. I I just wanted to make, I've really agreed with uh, not only the last two calls, but what you just had to say in summarizing the Knicks. Uh, What I will say, I I remember hearing, uh, is Thibodeau the kind of coach that can take the Knicks uh, to the next level? Uh, first of all, there's no way he's going anywhere. Uh, if it's a results oriented business, he's on very solid ground. Uh, what I would say is regarding if he's the guy to take us to the next level, I, that's on management. I mean, give him some really good players, three point shooters, you know, fill those holes that we've been talking about, then evaluate the guy.
1: I agree with that, Mike. And that's why it's now on Leon Rose, right? Tibbs got them here. Not that Tibbs' work is done, but Tibbs got them to this point. And with Tibbs, you got to evaluate it from the beginning. Tibbs was hired during the pandemic. He came in that first year. Nobody expected them to make the playoffs, and they were in the playoffs. Uh, he gave them a lot of leeway. He helped put them on solid footing. It was to ha- have. Um, Jalen Brunson wants to entertain coming to New York to be the quote-unquote missing piece, which he ended up becoming, and more so than we could have envisioned. And Leon Rose deserves credit for that as well because of his previous relationship with Jalen Brunson. And that's ultimately one of the biggest reasons why Leon Rose was hired to be president of the Knicks in 2020. So that paid off right there. But now you've got to take the body of work that Tibbs has put together. He's taken a franchise that was on one plane. And he has now elevated it a couple of notches where it's on a different plane right now. There's still more work to do. He's proven that he can coach. Leon Rose has also proven that he can put a good roster together. But this offseason is crucial now for Leon Rose. Let's go to Jan and Yonkers. Jan, how you doing?
7: Hi. Happy Mother's Day to you and your family and everybody else out
1: there.
5: Happy Mother's
3: Day. Thank you,
7: Jan. I'm very sorry how this season ended. It, I thought it was a success, yes. Uh, however, Julius and RJ didn't help Jalen when they should have. All they needed was two three-pointers, each one of them, or just one of them. And uh, unfortunately, that ankle injury, and I'm not trying to use that as an excuse for Julius, but ever since that ankle injury, he hasn't been the same player. I don't know whether it's, uh, he's just checked out, you know, this past game, this last game, RJ obviously checked out. I mean, only one field goal. You know, uh, I don't think they should get rid of Coach Tibbs. I do think that they need another three point scorer. I would like to get them, uh, them to go after Van Vliet in Toronto. And to end it all, we have four coaches that have been fired already. And thank you for taking my call.
1: Jan, thanks for the call. I think the Knicks are going to be paying a lot of international uh, phone fees over the next few weeks because there's a lot of pieces on that Toronto roster that could help the Knicks. Van Vliet is one of them. Uh, Pascal Siakam is my favorite to help the Knicks. OG Ananobi could also help them because he's a Tibbs type of player who can also give you offense. Toronto had a really disappointing season. You just wonder if they're looking to run it back with a different voice in the room. And they obviously got rid of Nick Nurse, who had won the NBA championship not too long ago. Nurse is one of those highly coveted uh, head coaches that's available, perhaps in Milwaukee, perhaps in Phoenix, who knows. But if you're a team that's ready to win now with a head coaching vacancy, Nick Nurse has to be your first call. But yeah, there's a lot of pieces on that Toronto team that could help the Knicks. Uh, Let's go to Dan in Queens. Hey, Dan.
8: Hey, how you doing? I, I disagree with Tibbs. I think that's the reason why we lost. He didn't make any adjustments the whole series. He played with three guards the entire time. We only have two forwards on the roster. The two forwards are Randall and uh, Tobin. Why did they never play together? That's the question nobody in New York, nobody on sports radio is talking about. We got out-rebounded in the paint. We got outscored down low. Why didn't the coach make one adjustment, even for one minute, even if it wasn't going to work? He played three guards the entire time, even when people were in foul trouble. I think that's the reason why we lost. There doesn't need to be a roster change. If you would have played big against this team, you're going against Boston, which I think you can win. I think most of the listeners could tell you, we we will be favored over Boston going to the championship. I think it was Tibbs. I would run it back with the same exact roster. No changes necessary. Let Tobin and Randall play together, and I promise you, you're going to see the New York Knicks in the championship. Tibbs needs to make that adjustment. Stephen A. Smith, at halftime, he said only one thing needs to change. He wanted to see Tobin, but he didn't say Witt Randall. That was his mistake. He didn't say it all series. I'm mad at Stephen A because he's a New York basketball guy. I, that's my take. I don't know. What do you think? Why didn't they play together
1: once? Why? Because Tibbs is rigid in his rotations. And I'm not saying that Tibbs is the perfect coach, but if you're telling me that Tibbs is the answer, and look, was Tibbs outcoached by Eric Spolstra? Yes, I would agree with that. I don't know that the specific point you're making would have made a big difference playing Randall and Toppin together. He has tried that intermittently and it hasn't been an overwhelming success. Tibbs is rigid in his rotations, we know that. But the question I always ask somebody who says I want to do this, I want to get rid of Tom Thibodeau, who are we bringing in to replace
8: I don't want to get rid of him. The only one guy, there's only one guy I would have to replace him in New York and he's not and for whatever reason he's not allowed, Mark Jackson. Everyone, every listener will tell you that that would be something special in Madison Square Garden. He's the only guy that I would say to get rid of Tibbs.
1: Dan, thanks for the call. I don't agree with Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson's a very similar coach to Tom Thibodeau, but Tom Thibodeau's a better coach. They have very similar temperaments. I think one of the reasons why Mark Jackson has had a hard time getting back into the game, and if you didn't hear uh, me mention Shams Sharania's report from earlier, Mark Jackson's interviewing for the Milwaukee Bucks vacancy. Mark Jackson's also very rigid. He's old school, and he's stubborn, and I think that clashed with the front office and the ownership group in Golden State, which is why he was let go in favor of Steve Kerr. He's similar to Tom Thibodeau. And if you're all due respect to Mark Jackson, if you're matching X's and O's, look, Mark Jackson, he's a point guard. He's a great point guard and a great player, a very good player um, during his NBA career. Tom Thibodeau's a lifelong coach. Tom Thibodeau's a better coach than Mark Jackson, and they have similar styles. So I don't think Mark Jackson is the answer. Uh, We'll try to get to all the calls as we continue here after a quick break on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You are listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: I want to once again wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. All the moms, grandmas, wives, everybody out there, enjoy your special day. Very well deserved. Wanna to thank Tom Bauer and Joe Leo for producing and doing a great job all morning and all afternoon here on ninety eight seven and the callers as well. Wall to wall Knicks, three solid hours. I wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm always just so impressed by, you know, the passion and the knowledge of Knicks fans about their team in this city. We'll try to get to as many of you as we can before we wrap things up. Let's go to Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, what's happening, man? <laughs> Hey Pat, a long time no talk. Happy Mother's Day to
2: all of the people in your life and all of the callers and everybody, all that good stuff.
1: Likewise. I'll keep it real quick,
2: you know. I'm not, I'm not a Knicks fan. I root for them. Sixers is my team, but I root for them when they don't play the Sixers. You know, objectively looking at it, without any emotion, if I'm Obi Toppin and his uh, management, listen quietly and respectfully, I'm asking for a trade this year. He's never going to grow underneath his coach. Uh, RJ Barrett, nice kid works hard and everything like that, but he's got the two-guard body. They got him playing the three. He doesn't have the athleticism. He's not a dynamic player in this league. You've you got to be a difference maker at that position. So hopefully he can develop his shooting. You can't get rid of Tibbs yet, you know, because there, there's nobody who's going to come in and do more with what he had so far. Now you get another influx of talent, then that discussion might, might come up. And Julius Randle is the Knicks ankle bracelet. I mean, it's going to be hard to move him. But with the Sixers, I say this much, Pat, you know, this is where my emotion kicks in. I don't want to hear nothing from Joel Embiid about how, you know, I didn't get the ball in the fourth quarter. Stop talking to the media. You had a team huddle where you could have said something, and you stayed perimeter in that fourth quarter where you needed to be on the block. I don't care about how many blocks you got against them little guys. Every time I looked, I kept seeing that guy Robert Williams catching the alley-oop behind you. That pissed me off. But, listen, Doc Rivers, they're going to lose today. I fully I, – I've come to the realization they're going to lose this game today. Doc is going to be gone. But there's another person to me that is accountable, and that's Maury. You brought James Harden in here when –
1: Game 7 playout, Buddha. Thanks as always for the call. This is a very, very big game for Joel Embiid and his legacy. He's never been to the conference finals. The only thing I'll say about Maury regarding James Harden, he got James Harden for Ben Simmons. I thought that was pretty good considering what Ben Simmons' value was at the time. Let's go to Harvey in Florida. Harvey, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um,
6: very good. To the caller that's knocking Tibbs, uh for not making adjustments, saying he should have put Toppin in with Randall, that's the most ridiculous idea I ever heard of. Yeah, that's not an Toppen adjustment I agree with. Oh, he can't guard me. I'll play him. He couldn't guard me. He can't defend against the three. And you know who plays the three for Miami? Jimmy Butler. Yep. So this guy calling up, you want Topping to guard Jimmy Butler? It'll be a joke. What I would like the Knicks to do is to get Carl Anthony Towns, a big center that so when Randall passes it into the paint. go bear who's like a big mitchell robinson who can't shoot or anything and his stick towns out at the four. you get towns and put him at the five and randall and rj will get a lot better than they are the pressure will be off randall won't have all that pressure and he'll have a big guy that he could pass the ball to and get the ball back from it'll be a different team
1: harvey thanks for the call i don't love the idea of carl anthony towns however Well, first and foremost, if the Knicks get Carl Anthony Towns, there's no way that he's teammates with both Randall and Barrett. You're going to have to give away at least one of them in a Carl Anthony Towns trade. Now, if the scenario is, and I hate to say problem for a problem, because I think that's being too harsh on Julius Randall. Julius Randall's playoff performances are becoming a problem for the Knicks. That's true, and I'll grant you that. But overall, Julius Randle has been a very good Nick. He's been, over his four-year Knicks career, one of the most productive Knicks of all time, if you actually look at the numbers. But the fact is, and we saw this clearly, this series and this postseason, he takes a step back, a significant one in the postseason, for the importance he has on this roster. But if you were to make some sort of a Randle for Carl Anthony Towns deal, and the Knicks would have to send some more assets Minnesota's way, depending on what those assets were first-round pick, whatever it may be, that's something that I'd be willing to entertain. I don't think Carl anthony Towns is a perfect player. He he played for Tom Thibodeau already, but also his kind of laissez-faire attitude was one of the reasons that that franchise blew up because Jimmy Butler was tired of playing with Towns and Andrew Wiggins. But the fact of the matter is, if you can find a way to get another offensive piece in a different position that's not Julius Randle, that could be something worth exploring. The fact of the matter is this, it was a great season for the Knicks considering what the expectations were at the beginning. Surprising, fun, entertaining, and also disappointing at the end because they should be at least getting ready for a Game 7 tomorrow night, if not the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're not. So they have to get to work in the offseason and make sure that they continue to put themselves in position to contend. Have a great Mother's Day.